0: I'm Pastor Rob Myallis, and this is the Ponder A New Podcast, where we ponder anew the ancient words of Scripture, and the stories, and what they might mean for us in our time, and in our place. This season, we're looking at the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was given the great task of rebuilding the ancient city of Jerusalem, and this book has already just shown so much about how to rebuild And uh, I think we're all, it's fair to say, in a season post-pandemic of rebuilding facets of our lives professionally and and personally. And so hopefully we can learn uh, from Nehemiah how to do this and more importantly start to have our, our vision open to how God is at work in our lives. This episode, we're going to be thinking about other people and how other people can aid or hinder us in our efforts to rebuild. At the end of the podcast, I'll talk a little bit about how you can keep going with the discussion. But for now, without further ado, let's get back to rebuilding. So we're going to pick up At verse 6 of chapter 2, the king said to me, and by the king here we mean King Artaxerxes, for Nehemiah has just asked Artaxerxes, for whom he is the cupbearer, if he can take leave from his position and go help with this rebuilding effort of Jerusalem. And he is given his appeal and now he's nervously awaiting the response. So let's see again what the king says here. The king said to me, uh, the queen was sitting beside him, how long will you be gone and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me and I set him a date. Then I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me to the governors of the province beyond the river, that they may grant me passage until I arrive in Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, directing him to give me timber to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted what I asked for, for the gracious hand of my God was upon me. Well, his uh, wishes has come true. His prayers are answered. And Nehemiah is going to be given the charge and the resources to do this task. I want to point our attention here to a particular wording in verse six that I find really interesting. And Nehemiah writes, uh, the second half of verse six, so please the king to send me. And what's curious here is to reflect upon which king Nehemiah is meaning. Does Nehemiah mean King Artaxerxes? Or does Nehemiah mean the true king, the king of heaven? Nehemiah probably here means the, the emperor of ancient Persia. But it's clear that Nehemiah, by what he says at the end of verse 8, for the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted me what I asked, that Nehemiah is viewing Artaxerxes' work here as part of God's plan, or part of God's unfolding mission, and that actually the, the king is sending Nehemiah, but it's ultimately God who is sending Nehemiah here, uh, and so that the, the king's power and, and the Lord's power start to look pretty similar, that both are sending, in some way, Nehemiah on this this mission. So what can we uh, reflect on and derive from this as we seek to rebuild? Well, the first is that God can work through people who are not people of faith. Uh, God can work through people of very different faiths than our own, for God's purposes, right? So King Artaxerxes is an ancient Persian king, probably believes at some level that he's even uh, pretty close to the divine. Um, I think he was a Zoro, a practitioner of Zoroastrianism, um, but he's certainly not um, a, a Jew uh, who uh, daily, uh, when he goes to bed at night, is reciting the Psalms. He's a pagan king. And what we find in both the Old and the New Testament are plenty of examples of people who are not necessarily of faith, who somehow uh, aid and, and help out what's going on. Uh, and, in, and a great example in the Old Testament is of Moses, right, the, the, the ultimate sort of uh, Jewish figure, uh, the giver of the law he uh is helped by his pagan uh, his pagan father-in-law Jethro at, at a key point in in Moses's life. And again, I could go through many more examples uh in the Old and New Testament but revealing how God works uh in the lives of and through the lives of people who aren't of a similar faith. And it's and so uh my first question for you is um Have you, can you name people in in your life, either in this stage of rebuilding or who in other stages have really been of a different background than yourself, may again not have had any faith uh, in God that you sensed or a common sort of sense of who God was and how God was moving, but somehow their presence, their words, uh, the the resources they uh, helped you to have access to. That were somehow instrumental in your faith journey, uh, in your sense of fulfilling the mission that God was giving you at the time. Again, the the Lord, uh, through King Artaxerxes, does what the Lord does throughout the Bible, and that is that the, the Lord will, of course, work through faithful people, but the Lord also works through people who aren't of faith to somehow accomplish the, the purposes that God wants, and that they end up equipping, encouraging, challenging, inspiring the people of faith. And so who have been the people of not of faith in your life who have encouraged, equipped, inspired, offered resources, and, and so forth? Right? Uh, and again, maybe it's a book you've read, maybe it's a conversation you've had, maybe it's a friendship, maybe it's a professional mentee, uh, or sorry, mentor, all sorts of things. Okay. The second uh, thing that it brings up is that we are often unaware, and this is sort of the second field of questions, we are often unaware that God is working through us. Right? Artaxerxes didn't that night say, you know, dear God, thank you for working through me today. Right? He, uh, Artaxerxes isn't aware of how he is playing a role in, in God's plan here. And it, it speaks gently to the fact that there are times in life that we are likely unaware, but God is actually working through us. Uh, and, and so it's a humbling reminder um, that this can happen. And so one of my questions is, have you ever had the experience? Have you lived long enough to have the experience? Where somebody has come up to you, and and thanked you for the impact you had on them or in their life, and you didn't think that you had made a difference. Uh, so, uh, for instance, um, you know this can especially happen to teachers, where you know somebody is just sort of a punk in their class, and then you know twenty, thirty years later, out of the blue, you know you get a card or a note, or you see somebody, and they run and you say, you know, you you know, in seventh grade, I was such a mess, but you were so helpful. So it's, and then, um, so then, so again, the question is, have you had anybody sort of come up and affirm for you at a time that you weren't aware of the impact you were making, the impact that you were having, right, being an instrument of the Lord unbeknownst to yourself? And then I would uh, challenge you and question, maybe question if you are doing so, um, how might we be able to pray that, In these days of rebuilding, when everybody is really kind of trying to feel their way towards a a new, hopefully better normal, um, how might we, along the way, um, even unbeknownst to ourselves, be a blessing to other people? And a reminder that in lots of times in life where we don't think this is an impact conversation, the Lord actually has put us in that place, maybe not for our own faith journey, but for the faith journey of somebody else and for the mission and ministry that they have been called into. Okay. The last point I want to make about these uh, verses here is that it is a political figure through whom God works. And I think there's uh, a, a... A healthy American cynicism towards politics. But this passage is a reminder that God actually can work through political means. That um, kings, governors, emperors, presidents, senators, mayors, and so forth, have access to resources. And those resources can be used for things that God wants to happen in this world. And so... um, Without getting overly uh, partisan about it, I don't really wish to do that. I would, I think it is though worth uh, reflecting on in this pandemic, how have public figures, how have public figures either made your rebuilding more difficult or have enabled your rebuilding? And again, this is uh, one where the, the politics last year have been very divisive, but certainly momentous. and the the people that are well above our sort of our political or economic pay grade are making decisions that have profound impacts on us And, and some of those seem to have brought about profoundly good changes for us, I think, about the whole chain of events that allowed the vaccine to go from you know sort of lab to in a hundred and whatever million people's arms in America. Um, so politics, again, can be this arena, however muddied by human sin in which God can work. And so I'd encourage you to, I'd challenge you and to reflect on what ways has God, and this is so difficult to discern, but it's, again, just it's worth, I think it's worth some, some pondering, how has God been at work in the last year within this messy, complicated, broken, sinful political reality to help you in your rebuilding? Okay, so there's a lot here in these uh, these verses about this pagan king who helps Nehemiah. And it, it to me, again, the points that I was trying to think about here for questions related to um, how have people of a different faith... Uh, been vehicles of god's work in in your life second um how unbeknownst to ourselves we can be instruments of god and other people have been as well for us and and third um just gently touching on this political reality where god can work through politics to bring about good things um, and and how or political leaders i should say and how has that happened or not happened Uh, for you as you reflect on this last year of your life. And so finally Nehemiah heads to Jerusalem. I'm not going to read the entire rest of chapter 2. In fact, I may come back to part of it uh, next week. But what I want to focus on is what happens uh, right away when Nehemiah uh, enters Jerusalem in that area. So, picking up in verse 9. Then I came to the governors of the providence beyond the river, sounds so much like the Hobbit or something, and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent officers of the army and cavalry with me. When Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite officials heard this, it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. I want to stop there. Notice the first thing that happens when Nehemiah seeks to rebuild. The first thing that happens is that people stand in opposition to him. Humans are much more like lobsters than we realize out of jealousy and pettiness, uh, you know lobsters when one tries to escape the trap, the others pull that one back in. and as humans, there is such a a fight uh, internally against uh, someone sort of getting too far ahead of the pack or making significant changes. Uh, And so we just notice this tendency uh, again and again in so many facets of our lives for people to oppose us. And I know that uh, I have experienced uh, as a pastor, I feel like I've been pretty blessed with what's happened at at St. Paul where I serve in terms of the dynamics and, and people's acceptance of of what we've been doing but uh even here there have been points where again we've we've had people opposed to what we've been doing i know a lot of other pastors have experienced uh, in their efforts to rebuild uh, a lot over the last year of opposition to sort of how they were dealing with all of covid and again i'm sure that given how divided we are politically and everything that's going on that in uh, your life and your jobs and Teams, whatever organization you're a part of, you've seen this dynamic at work, where people are um, ready, willing, and eager to tell you why what you're doing isn't the right thing. Okay. Well, I want to uh, move ahead and and sort of start to see how Nehemiah responds to them. So uh, Nehemiah does some some reflection on how he's going to work here. And uh, again, I think I'll I'll return to that next week. But then in verse 19 when uh, Sambalot the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official and Geshem the Arab heard of it, namely the plans of Nehemiah. They mocked and ridiculed it, saying, What is this that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Then I replied to them. Okay, now this reply here, I've never seen it on a cool, like motivational poster. Uh, this is not like a John th- you know, 3.16 or uh, some really famous... Uh, Bible verse, but I'm telling you, this is a great verse for our lives as as we uh, come out of the pandemic and rebuild. And uh, in fact, this is one of those verses you could you probably could could stick up on your wall. And and especially for some of you who have been really having a lot of opposition in your life to what you've been trying to do. This uh, it's so awesome here. Okay, so Nehemiah replies to them, "The God of heaven is the one who will give us success." And we, his servants, are going to start building. But you have no share or claim or historic right in Jerusalem. You, he says to these people who are mocking him, have no right or share or claim. Mm. They have not earned the right to take up Nehemiah's mental space and to tell Nehemiah he's not doing the right thing. I think for all of us, we are encountering people in our lives who are telling us how we need to rebuild, who are criticizing how we're going about our lives. And the truth is that some of the criticism we hear from people can be really helpful this last year at one point one of the key volunteers at our church pointed out something to me they felt that there was one covid regulation we had they didn't think was the right one not only did they tell me in a way that was you know not mean-spirited but this particular person has gone along has uh, at points uh, obeyed protocols that they didn't even necessarily uh, they might have felt that wasn't the right protocol but They had committed themselves to the team, and they were going to move together. We were going to do this uh, all together. And so when this person came back to me and said, you know, you uh, or we really need to do this, or this isn't right, it it was a real sense of, okay, we're in this together, and this opinion that, that says that we weren't doing the right thing, I need to listen to that, and I need to wrestle with it. And even if I don't necessarily agree to it in the end, I need to honor that person and, and, again, wrestle with and reflect on what they were telling me. But there have been other people that have come, and, and again, I, I, the congregation I serve has been remarkably uh, cohesive and, and very adaptable and very flexible. But there have been other people that have come and have said, you know, you're not doing the right thing. And some of those people, I've, I've just come to recognize that they really weren't buying in to the uh, sort of the way in which we were going to do this all together. And they were sort of dropping out and choosing to step away from what we were doing and, and almost sort of throwing um, sort of critique on their way out. And so I needed to think about this Bible verse and realize that, again, not all voices that complain or critique are voices of the Lord. It doesn't mean they're necessarily bad people. Uh, and and, and in, in some cases, maybe even some of the stuff they're saying is true. But there are many, again, people who will uh, critique our lives, what we're doing on a personal, professional whatever sort of scale we're doing it on. And again, some of those really will be voices, voices of the Lord, where we need to like, wow, that, that, that's, that's something I need to listen to. But there'll be others who we don't need to give them the mental space, right? And, and Nehemiah here gives us permission to say, "You look, not all voices are voices of the Lord telling us how to rebuild. And there are voices who just haven't bought in to our own sort of uh, our own future well-being or the well-being of everybody involved. And if they haven't bought into the well-being of everybody involved, if they're not committed to the project, then again, uh, we don't have to be rude to that voice. I mean, the second time, he's he's pretty direct. Um, And maybe we do. And maybe sometimes we actually need to directly say to people, you haven't been committed in the way that I need to listen to you anymore. So the question is, who are the people in your life who have been like Sambalat and Tobiah, who have critiqued you in a way, or critiqued what you're doing in your rebuilding efforts, and you have realized that, wow, or need to realize, or realizing now as you listen to this podcast, that you are giving them too much space, and that they have not earned the right to critique you as as they are doing. I want to be clear here, the difference between Words of life, the words of the Lord, the words of love, and the words of opposition does not simply boil down to what feels good uh, or to what is easy for us, but often how invested a person is in us and in the collective future that we hope for. This requires real wisdom to figure out whom... We are to listen to. Certainly something that uh, brings us to prayers. Well, that's probably a, a good amount for us to bite off for this podcast. Uh, as a follow up, you can always uh, contact me directly by email at robertmyallis at yahoo or my church email. Also, uh, we are meeting uh, weekly. The week after the podcast is um, posted. We are meeting at a local brew pub. If you'd like to join us for that, you may certainly do so. That's some good discussions. Uh, we also know that many people are on vacation or just listening to this podcast who don't live locally. And if you'd actually want to be part of a discussion group, we'd be happy to set one up on Zoom. If, you'd, uh, yeah, if you're interested, let us know. But at this point, I would invite us into a time of prayer. O oh God of heaven, Just as you worked through King Artaxerxes, you work through so many people. People who don't necessarily know us, people who may come from different backgrounds, people who aren't aware of the ways in which you're working in their lives. Open our eyes more deeply to the ways in which you are working through other people to help us fulfill the call you have given us to rebuild so much in our lives and in our world. We also pray for the courage and the wisdom to discern who are the voices that are not speaking your words of life and truth to us, and that, again, we may have the courage to stand up to this and to seek other voices that are committed to the common good and the rebuilding to which you have called us. This we pray in your Son's name. Amen.